This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. I'm starting to discover that the older you get, the more checkups are necessary, the more tests are necessary. Something is called preventative medicine. And preventative medicine is a good thing, but it's just not very fun because you get weighed and measured and poked and prodded and you're in all kinds of sometimes unusual positions and uncomfortable positions to get tested out. So no one really looks forward to that. Preventative medicine is not that fun, but it's vitally important. Uh, What we're going to do today is we're going to do something that's going to be preventative medicine for us. Something that's really important that we talk about. We've been addressing some tough questions in life, and we're going to address a tough one today. And that is the question of abortion and is abortion wrong? A very highly volatile emotional discussion. And I believe what God wants to do today is moving us forward. He he wants to prevent future abortions and to find his heart on the matter. But what we're not going to do is we're not going to just point out scars uh, with this crowd, statistically, I know that, that there's been a lot of participation in abortion. Um, and that's not just a female issue. That's male and female. And God's forgiveness is available for that and is here. And we're, we're feeling, we'll feel his forgiveness. And I pray you feel his love. So uh, a bad thing to happen if you went to a checkup and someone pointed out a scar. And then they sliced open the scar again just to make sure everything was okay underneath the scar. That, that wouldn't be helpful at all. That would re-injure. And a lot of times if, with this issue, it, it's almost too easy to create this emotional experience. And for this sermon, I just don't think God wants that to happen. But through stories and music and statistics and video, I think I could make a lot of people feel guilty. I think I can make a lot of people feel um, sympathy or, or a sense of tragedy upon them. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do that if he wants to. Instead, instead of, instead of producing temporary emotions, I want us to look at what is everlasting and what never changes and what is apolitical, meaning it has no political agenda, and that is the scripture. And from that, God can make us stronger as we find his perspective. So this is a Sunday of grace and love and mercy and redemption and healing. And it's a Sunday where we move forward and seeing what God's will is for our future. And so I want you to turn to Luke 1. We'll be there in just a few minutes. But I'm going to ask you three questions today. And for each of the three questions, I want you to answer one of two ways. Is the answer going to be God? God Almighty, the one who is above us, the one who created the world, the one who is infinitely wise and sovereign and providential, who is completely holy and there's no error within him. So that's the first answer, God. Or is the answer mankind, which is the rest of us. So that's one of the two options you have for the three questions I want to ask you today. Is the answer God or mankind? Because I think that will help frame his heart and what he's trying to say. So the first question is this. 
When does life begin? Because that is a big question. When does life actually begin? When is life formed? Many would suggest that life begins at delivery. So when a child exits the mother's womb, that's when life begins. And without going through all the different biological explanations, which are helpful and good, and as science has advanced, we, we, medicine has advanced and knowledge has advanced, we have access to great information of what's happening to a child when they're in the womb of their mother. We, we have some great data. But I simply want us to go to the Scripture because when God was speaking to the prophet Isaiah and he was giving a message to the Jewish people, he said this in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 2. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. This was a message of encouragement. And right in the middle of this message, God said, thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb and will help you. God was involved in the womb. God was involved and is involved in the development of a human being, in the development of an embryo, which is a human being. He cares about what's happening in the womb of a woman who's carrying a child. Psalms 139 is a wonderful song of worship. And in verse 13, through the Holy Spirit, the psalmist sung these words. For you formed me, formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Here is this connection between worship and praise. As we worship this God who is really above us and big and huge and sovereign and providential and holy and incredible. There's this great sense as we worship him that, God, you were with me, not not just at my birth, but before my birth. You were with me in the womb of my mother. The scripture makes it clear. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made because you knit me together. And in the maturation, in the development, God is in the process. There's no scripture that indicates it's a first trimester or second trimester or third trimester involvement. God is there in the womb and he's, he's involved and he cares. And what this lets us know is that though we have more education and knowledge and we understand biology and we understand development, that still there's a mystery that God is the one that is involved in the creation of a human being. And he is very much cares about what happens in the womb of a mother. He very much cares about the development of a person. In Luke chapter 1, it's a scripture I wanted us to read together. It's a beautiful story of how Mary interacted with her cousin Elizabeth. Mary being the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth the mother of John the Baptist. And in verse 41, it says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Look at verse 44 with me. For behold, 
when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. We have some understanding that babies in the womb of the mother reacts often to the environment outside of the womb. We understand that. But we also see that this very well could have been a supernatural act of God causing in this child within the womb, this baby within the womb, an experience of joy, regardless of how you want to interpret that. If you want to interpret that strictly from, you know, from a maturation standpoint, the knowledge you have in that, or if you want to interpret that as something supernatural joy, regardless, God was in the womb and cared about the child in the womb. And this scripture makes it really clear, really clear. When does life begin? Life doesn't begin at birth. It begins before birth. It, it begins in the womb. And God cares about those human beings that were, are within the womb. So then the question that everyone struggles with, and I'm sure you've been asking it to yourself, Okay, if God cares so much and he cares about life and life starts with him because the answer is life does begin with God. Then what about, what about pregnancies that occur outside of wedlock? What about pregnancies that occur by unnatural means and in difficult circumstances? Obviously, the act leading to the pregnancy isn't in God's will. God's very clear that sexual relationship should only be between a man and a woman in the boundaries of marriage. So pregnancies outside of, outside of a marriage, outside of a wedding are not his will ultimately. And there's all types of unnatural acts that violate God's moral rules that sometimes result in pregnancies. So, so what about those type of pregnancies? Some could easily say, well, maybe children like that, maybe, maybe when unnatural means happen, they should or could be aborted. And, and I just want to say this, is when a child is born outside of God will, God's will, it is still God's will for them to be born. Just because the act was not in his perfect will When a child is born, and it's not through the traditional means that the Lord would want, it is the greatest sign of his mercy and grace and love. I think one of the most incredible things that happens is that out of our mistake, out of our misstep, out of our sin, God in his infinite wisdom, who's so much wiser than us, allows a life to come forth that is full of love and grace and makes the world a better place. That's the kind of God we serve. The type of God who knows the destiny of a person and who knows what the world needs and when the world needs it. And he works even through our missteps and even through our mistakes. So that leads us to the second question. Who chooses for life to begin? Is it us? We choose the life to begin? We know that's not true. God chooses for life to begin. He is the one 
that determines that. In Romans chapter 8, starting verse 29, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of a son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And moving on, it continues to say, And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those who he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. There's a lot going on in that scripture. There's a lot theologically. There's a lot to talk about in that scripture. But let's just keep it really simple for the subject at hand. That God foreknew us. And he knew who we were. And even when things happen outside of his perfect will, he sees the combination. I'm not talking about for marriage possibility, but he sees the combination, the ingredients. And I believe he says, that is a great match. That's a great match. That DNA and those personality types, that's an incredible match. That person has, that person has something to give to the world. That person has a plan for his or her generation. That person is going to do something great for me. And you've heard some of the examples. There's many historical examples of great men and women who could have been aborted, but they lived their life and greatness came through them. And, and those are helpful. Those are good examples. But it's not about the intellectually elite or the artistically elite. It's about every single human being is a gift to this world. And every single human being has a contribution. It doesn't matter if they're mentally handicapped, physically handicapped. It doesn't matter if they're not as strong as they're supposed to be, or it doesn't matter if they're in the top of their athletic sphere or their top of their academic class. Those things don't matter. Those things don't justify whether an abortion should or should not have happened. Every life is a gift because our God is sovereign and he's made a decision. And in his wisdom, he's so much wiser than us. He sees a life and he determines that person needs to be in the world right now. That's why Acts chapter 17, a scripture I love so much, when Paul was teaching about the one God to the Athenians who had lots and lots of God, he revealed the personality of our God that also reveals God's plan for us. In the middle of the speech in Acts 17, he said, and he being God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. I love this phrase. And having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he's not actually far from each of us. Go back to that previous slide. This is, that last half of that slide, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. I love that because in the NIV it says God determined the exact places and the exact times which they should live. Our sovereign God, he is looking and he is ruling and reigning over the universe. And because he is in relationship with us, he knows, he knows our personality, our demeanor needed to exist in this generation, in this part of the world for a distinct purpose. That's the type of God we serve. He cares. And he is the one that decides when life begins. Mankind does not make that determination. Mankind does not make that decision. So here's the third question I want to ask you. If we're going to talk about this life starting and life beginning, we have to talk about death. 
question this. Who chooses for life to end? Is it us? Do, do we make that determination? Or is it God above us that makes that determination? Almost every culture and every civilization has judged murder very harshly and has judged even homicide very harshly. Why? Because there's something instinctive within us that we know that we, as human beings, as frail people, we cannot determine when life ends. We'll make mistakes over and over and over again. We cannot make that determination. That is too big of a decision. It only belongs to God. It only belongs to God. And that is the basis. That's the basis of an anti-abortion stance or a pro-life stance, knowing that God determines the numbers of our days. God knows exactly how long our lives should be, and we trust him as we follow his spirit. That's why in Psalms chapter 90, verse 12, the psalmist saying this, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. That's saying, God, teach us. You've You've got the number of our days. Teach us to live each day enthusiastically with meaning. Teach us to number them right. Job is more explicit in the ancient wisdom in chapter 14, verse 5 of Job, where he says, since he's talking about mankind and says, since his days are determined and the numbers of his month is with you, months is with you, and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. Our God knows how long a man or woman's life should be. Our God is the one who determines the end. So the question is, who chooses for life to end? That's the choice before us. Who chooses for life to end? Is it Pharaoh? Remember Pharaoh in the book of Exodus? We find out that he was trying to eliminate the Jewish people. And so he killed every male under a certain age. Does Pharaoh have that right? Does he have that right to, does mankind have that right to end life? No, absolutely not. What about Herod? Herod tried to kill all again, tried to kill all the young males in order to stop the report that the Messiah had come. And did Herod have that right to kill all the young children? Did he have the right to end life? Absolutely not. Only God would have that right. What about the Nazi Third Reich, who they decided to eliminate the handicapped? to eliminate the mentally, what they called mentally retarded, to eliminate the gypsies, to eliminate the Jews. Did they have the right to try to exterminate a race? Did they have the right to genocide? Absolutely not. That right is only in the hands of God. What about in China today? In this very day we live in, in the same planet that we breathe, the same air. And there is a one-child policy in China, the world's largest country, with which we have free trade with. And and we long for them to buy our goods, and we buy their cheap goods. And they are systematically exterminating people because they have a one-child policy that each family can only have one child in order to control their population. They have no right to control the population. That's God's right. That's not mankind's right. What gives the right of somebody who went to school a few more years and has a medical degree? Do they now have the right to determine when life ends just because they're more educated than some of the rest of us? And do they have the right to decide, well, at a certain point, it's really not a human being? What about appointed judges? Judges who are appointed. Judges who are, who are given decision to, 
given the right to make a decision. Do they have the right to make that decision or does God have that right? What about elected politicians? Do they have that right or does God have that right? Only God has that right. And I say that today. I say that today because the Lord does care. And the Lord does care. We saw that he cares about what's happening in the womb of the mother. And he cares about the child. And he cares about the future of the children. So I want to talk to you because I mentioned earlier, I know, I know that a lot of us have participated at one level or the other in an, in an abortion But I want you to know this, that our loving and gracious and forgiving and merciful God is here today to wrap his arms of love around you and to let you know, let you know that forgiveness is here. It is not the unpardonable sin. It is not something that he did not take the punishment upon the cross for. But it's a very personal thing, a very personal thing. And because of that, Because of that, sometimes the effects of that takes a while to work out. And so inside your bulletin, there's there's an article there that gives you information about a ministry we partner with called the Cumberland Crisis Pregnancy Center. And they have have an office right on the border of Hendersonville and Gallatin, and I'm friends with their leaders there. And if you ever need to talk to somebody at whatever level, their website and the number is listed in there, and they have post-abortion counseling and they have other resources that would be of help. And so I just want you to know that that was available. And I also want you to know something, that our God loves you so much and he does not want you to live in perpetual shame, perpetual embarrassment. He does not want you to live in self-punishment, that he has redeemed you. He has bought you back. He has paid the price for any mistake that you may have participated in going way beyond the subject that we've talked about today. That's why there's two sides to every story. Romans chapter 5. I want us to look at Romans chapter 5, verse 15. Scripture says this, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. Let's break this down for a second. We know this is that every single sin came as a result of the first sin. When Eve and Adam sinned, that sin was passed down to each of us. And so we inherited the sinful nature. So every single sin, not just the sin we discussed today, but every single sin, not just the obvious ones, but the attitudes of our hearts and the thoughts that no one knows about and everything that violates the holiness of God. Every single one of those sins we inherited because one man sinned. One person sinned, we've all sinned. Because one person made a mistake, we've all been destined to that same mistake. Because one person made a bad choice, we've all been making bad choices since then. But that's only half the story. That's only half the story because there was one bad choice that brought a lot of bad choices to the world. But there was another man who came, the perfect man, the sinless man, the righteous man. And he wasn't just a man. He was fully man and he was fully God. And he did one act. He did one act of kindness, one act of sacrifice, one act of love, one act of giving, one act of self, uh, self-sacrifice for you and I. He took upon himself 
the sin of the world. He took upon himself every wrong attitude, every wrong action, every wrong uh, um, thought that we've had, every misstep, every bad choice. Jesus Christ took that punishment upon himself. And he became that one man. And here's the great news. The free gifts, not like the trespass. For many died through one man's trespass. Much more. That's the word I want you to see in the screen. I want it to jump out of you. Yeah, sin came into the world. We all know about that. Uh, we, we, we can sit here and talk all day long about how we've all made mistakes and we've all sinned. But look at that word, those two words. Much more. Much more had the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. See, I know that if, if all of us had to list our sins and had to list our mistakes and had to list our thoughts, it would be embarrassing. It would be dark. It would just be a painful experience. But we don't have to do that. Because there's something that's greater than our sin. Something that's much more than our sin. It's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God. It's the forgiveness of God. It's the love of God. It's the acceptance of God. And it is in this place. This is not a place full of sin and mistakes. This is a place full of grace and mercy and strength and truth. So we go to verse 20. And verse 20 says this. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That means that every sin we have, there is much more grace. Every mistake we have, there's much more mercy. Every dark thing we've done, there's much more light. Everything we regret, there's much more redemption. There is much more because sin entered one man and we've been reproducing that same mistake. But much more came through the one man, Jesus. Much more of his love and peace and grace. We are swimming in the grace of God here. We are dripping with the mercy of God. This place is full of every good thing God has for us. That's the type of God we serve. The God who loves us, the God who has set his attention on us, the God who's forgiven us and has set us on a new course for him. He is so good. I want us to pray together. Let's pray. Now, God, we we thank you, Lord, that today we've dealt with one particular issue, but it's just one issue. It points us to our, our entire sinfulness. It points us to our entire frailty, God. And so, Lord, we do thank you that we are people who have your grace and forgiveness, Lord. It is just all over this place. Lord, we're trusting Christ fully. We're trusting you completely. We are just absolutely dependent on you, God. We're humbled by you. We're humbled by who you are. And we thank you that we're experiencing you. And I I want to talk for those of you who have had a level of participation in an abortion and and you're you're just, you're self-punishing. That's the phrase that God put in my heart, both the first service and now, is self-punishment. Self-punishment. See, self-punishment is not in God's will. Sorrow leads us to repentance. But if you've repented, if you told God you're sorry... And if you've changed your mind about your sin, you are not to self-punish anymore. You are not to self-condemn anymore because Jesus became your punishment. Jesus became your condemnation. Jesus became everything, and it's not in his will for you to continue to do that. In fact, it makes that's something that he wants you to leave right here in this service right now. No more self-punishment. No more self-condemnation. No more. No more of it. No more in Jesus' name. You're wiser, you're wiser and you're more full of his mercy 
and you understand the complexities of this issue more, but you are not to dwell in condemnation. The Lord wants to move you forward. He wants to move you forward. So, Father, I pray for, for those here who are dealing with that, that, God, this is a day of freedom, a day of truth. It's a new course in Jesus' name. No longer, God, no longer uh, undue guilt. No longer self-punishment. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we receive your grace. I want you just to receive the grace of God right now. I know you're saved. I know you might have given your life to Jesus before, but you need to receive his grace towards this situation in your life. Lord, I receive your grace. Receive your grace, and we do that. And we receive everything you have for us. So, Father, you're worthy to be praised. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We receive everything you have. Thank you, Lord. Now we've dealt with the subject God put on our heart today. Now I want to broaden things out here and move beyond what we've discussed today and move to just you and the Lord for every person in here. Even on weekends when a lot of us, we have our own time. I know a lot of you work on the weekends, but sometimes we have our own time and still with our own time, we often don't have time for the Lord. Isn't that interesting? We, we all... On the weekend, it's easy to go through a weekend and never even have time for the Lord. And so I want to give you a space for him today. This is a worship place. This is a place where we connect with God. I want to give you a chance to connect with the Lord today and to just have some time where you can connect with him and allow his presence to touch your life and to have worship. So I can make sure that it's I want you to make sure that worship today, however you worship from your heart to God's heart. It's not going through Aaron. It's not going through Penny and the worship team. It's going right from your heart to God's heart. I'm so glad we have these last few minutes to do that together. An attitude of prayer. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Church in Indian Lake.